0: What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of Ball Status.
1: <laughs> That's
0: right. The podcast where we talk about the business of health and the health of business. I'm joined by
2: Carl Frady, the third power. Patrick Mabe.
0: Brian B. All right, we're back. This is going to be a good one.
3: That's good stuff. This I'm fired is, up for it. Yes,
0: I mean, I feel like Carl gets fired up on all these, but... Dude. Today is the, the Carl podcast. Really? He is probably, he really enjoys this. I do. My he, favorite chapter. He really enjoys confronting the brutal facts. Mm. So today we are going to talk about one of our favorite topics from Jim Collins' book, Good to Great. You guys know we talk about this all the time, but this one It's very timely, too. I feel like everyone in this room recently has had to really confront the brutal facts. Um, And we should be doing it all the time. But it's confront the brutal facts, yet never lose faith. So that's key. So we're going to get into that. But before we get into that, our friends at Just Work Energy are sponsoring this episode. I don't know if they're sponsoring it. They just sent us some drinks. But now they're sponsoring the podcast. So so that's good enough. Just Work Energy. I got the Shark Bite flavor. I'll be honest with you. I haven't gotten into these yet. I'm gonna do a review,
3: but I haven't gotten into them yet. I got the cherry, and I remember being a little fat boy, rolling up in the Seven Eleven. Oh, all right, and thats the an
0: icy for the ice. That's the cherry. Uh, that's cherry the ice license ice. collaboration. The cherry icy. I thought yeah. you liked the blue icy. You oh, got right. red icy. I got red icy. I got a blue one, right? Glacier. Here?
3: You know what? I'll
2: get that blue. Get that. Blue. All right, I got the
0: shark bite. So, that's which I'm assuming time. is like a. Pardon my reach. All right, here we go. Aaron, what you got over there? A water. A Look, Katana. Okay, I just see. I'm a fan of orange drinks. Ooh, that's that's actually better than I expected.
1: This is, I think, their take on White Monster. That's see, <laughs> it's not White Monster. So that's
0: the problem. If we do an energy drink again, we're not going to do a White Monster because no one can do White Monster. Yeah, it's White Monster. It's so White, don't try to do it's it. White Monster. White Monster's the goat. That tastes like a slurp. Yeah, it really does. It tastes like. A I like
2: slushy. this. A little icy. A little icy. Yeah. When I did a, a review of these, uh, they sent me the box. Thank you, Dean. Um, and I tried all the flavors, and I did it uh, on the uh, the Nutrition Corner Stories. And I literally said what you you said that this took me back to Seven Eleven riding yeah. my bike. What's the so? So I haven't little bit of aftertaste.
0: That's what I was gonna say. I haven't drank the a whole one of these. I told you I haven't gotten into. it. I haven't gotten into this flavor at all. But I have had a sip of the blue and the red. I thought uh, at first there is a little bit of an aftertaste. I think that's just like the.
3: You think that's the flavor? I
0: just think that's just the flavor. The icy gets such a
1: strong flavor. It is. But this is, I'm, I'm a fan of this one. They don't have a ton of other actives in this drink. Uh-uh, it's no. mostly just,
0: so 200 milligrams. There's some taurine. All right, well, I got a thumbs up on, the, right, on the shark bite. Confront the brutal facts. Where do we start here? So at the end of the day, we all must confront the brutal facts. In all aspects of our life, so this should be something in business, um, at the workplace, in the marriage, as a parent, as a friend, um, in your personal gains, goals.
3: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Exactly. The mirror.
0: the mirror. Yeah. The mirror, the mirror. But the finances. You know, and I'll be honest with you uh, Thank you for being honest with us. <laughs> every once in a while, I try <laughs> to be. Um, this is difficult. And I think it's really
3: difficult for a lot of people. But this is a level of integrity, honestly. At the base level of like your personal integrity, can you as a person – you remember uh, A Few Good Men? Oh, yeah. And when Tom Cruise is got – Did you handle the truth? Yeah. You can't handle the truth. You know, you want men like me on that wall. You need men like me on that wall. I could keep going into it. That's great. I I love that scene. So, but this really does have a lot to do with the formation of you as a person. And I think everything we've worked on up to this point, like with discipline and leadership is, uh, and this is why proximity, I think, is so good, because you got to have a level of integrity to confront the brutal facts about yourself or about whatever organization. And if you don't have that level of integrity that's driving you, you will have what I call the ostrich theory, and that's just your head in the sand. And you will overlook it. And what I always think about, you know, confronting the brutal facts always says to me, look, pay me now or pay me later. Yep. You know, payday's coming. It might always be on Friday. But if you, can, if you ignore these facts, there's a, l- a level of integrity you're missing, and, it, and it's going to show.
0: And I think for me, it's, uh, I really don't like people mad at me. This is just like, I don't, I mean, I think the older I get, the less I care, but the people that I'm close to, I don't like them mad at me. Like whether it's my friends or my coworkers or my wife, like I just don't like them mad at me. So sometimes confronting, and I think this for me, why sometimes confronting the brutal facts is hard is because I don't want them. I don't want this to get flipped on me when I know as a leader, these are things that have to get done. And I think one of the big things is as a leader, you owe it to everyone on your team, because people get disgruntled when they see you accepting BS, essentially. Mm. And so um, I think as a leader, it is even more important to constantly confront these brutal facts. Um, the one thing that,
3: you know, and maybe we can talk about it now. So he, go ahead. Well, when you, uh, when he said that, I was trying to find, uh, he, he talks about charismatic leaders, and pretty much all of us around this table are charismatic leaders to some degree. We have a level of passion. I wish Carl would bring his up just a little bit, uh, but he, he's, almost, he's almost there. I'm trying. trying. You're almost level five. I'm trying. Um trying. <laughs> but one of the things he talks about in charismatic leaders is that when we don't confront the brutal reality, then we become the liability that the rest of the team worries about. Uh, I was trying to pick that up earlier. in the, uh, But I think some of that – You know we don't like people being you know (laughs) we don't like people being upset with us like Carl uh, or like Doug said whether it's our wife whether it's our team whether it's the people who uh, support the brand you know we want them to have integrity we want them to love us support us know that we're trying to do stuff for their benefit but when we won't do that that's when they get disheartened with us because instead of us helping their reality come true we become a liability and and ignored facts is always the open door to liabilities.
0: Yep. So the uh, Jim Collins talks a lot about this Stockdale, Stockdale mm-hmm. paradox. Uh, we were going to say uh, Stockholm syndrome, which is where you love your, your captor yeah. or somebody who's like harming you, you fell in love with them or something like that. No, this is the Stockdale paradise uh, paradox. And the idea here is that You have to, so the idea is Stockdale was this guy who was basically a POW, right? And he was in this terrible living condition, but he had unwavering faith for many years. And uh, throughout this time, he constantly was trying to get other people out and he did get other people out and people were asking him like, how, how did you make it through? Uh, And how did you keep kind of putting your own life in danger Um, and wanting to go on during all this. And he said that basically, I never lost faith in the end of the story. I never doubted not only that I would get out, but also that I would prevail in the end and turn the experience into the defining event of my life, which in retrospect, he would not trade. But the key here is that you must not confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose, with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, Whatever they might be, so I think there's it's definitely a paradox, right? And so, um, but even in the difficult situations, like we had, we've had multiple times here at our in our HQ where we've had to confront the brutal facts. But every time we did maintain faith throughout confronting those brutal facts, and knew at the end of the day we would come out on the other side better, and we have for it. I can think of a number. Of things I think of kind of even the ball situation where we ran the balls that was kind of confronting the brutal facts like that was
1: not A good move for us, right? Yeah. And but
0: with how much did we learn from that? Well, right
1: America Energy as of as of late, right confronting that we needed yeah. to To end the production and yeah. and the brand for the for the time being But it opened up other doors and put our shift into other things that's going to Maybe make another opportunity for something later down the road. Yeah, so um let's
0: get into actually confronting the brutal facts and uh i think the big thing is here is trying to create a culture where this is okay
3: and that's one of the things that he mentions is talking about you know we confront it, it it's not just confronting you gotta you gotta be able to accept them like uh, one of the things that he points out in this is winston churchill at the height of world war ii before the americans got involved is that he knew that because he was such a charismatic leader, that, that, that his constituents would only tell him what they wanted him to hear. In other words, mm-hmm. yes men. Yeah. yeah, very much yes men. And yes men in an organization are very dangerous. you you yeah. got to have people who understand loyalty and unity, but they can never be yes men. And so he had a special group that just gave him the unfiltered, unadulterated facts so that he could take the next action steps. And that's, that's huge. You know, that's what we talked about in in, uh, the Stockdale, Jim Stockdale syndrome, is that he knew he was in a bad situation, and he had to accept it, but he wouldn't let go of his dream, too. And so, you know, being able to accept those is, you can't take them personal. You know, my middle son, Xavier, is like ice cold. He does not need you to like him at all, which makes him a brilliant athlete, like He's even told me riding down the road. He's like, you know, Daw. My kids call me Da for some crazy reason. But he's like, Daw. When I when I'm on the mound, like, or I just got to think if Mom were in the batter's box and I hit her, I can show no emotion. Like she's <laughs> just playing the game. Now on the way home, I'll ask if she's okay and we need to get some ice for that, and I'll apologize. But in the game, it's just she was the opposing team and it just happened. Or or maybe they beamed our, you know, our our batter beforehand, and she was the next in line. So, you know, there's got to be a fair opportunity. And when you accept it, that's where you you can't take this stuff personal, which is hard for a leader. I mean, think about how many, how many hours a week do we, there's nobody here at this table that ever turns it off completely, do we? I mean, it, it affects everything we do. It affects our conversations. Not that we don't get away from it, and, and it makes us unhealthy, but Every social media post we look at, every bit of information that we process, we're always integrating into keeping our minds fresh and pushing us and what we do. But if we can't accept it and we always take it personal, then we'll avoid it. But the the other... Go ahead.
0: No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, I love this where it says the focus should be on issues regarding product, service, and future rather than issues of feelings. And I think corporate America today and a lot of different organizations today only care about feelings, Mm -hmm. you know? And so,
3: and from my vantage point as a pastor, the, a proverb, which is a a life rule in the middle of the old Testament says there seems a way that's right unto man, but the end thereof is destruction. So I can be very much led astray by my feelings easily. Um, You, it's amazing how we can, Rose color the glasses, this is old 1980s expression, and totally not accept or not be able to see it because it's about our feelings. Well,
0: in your your line of work, the focus should be on Jesus Christ and the word of the Bible rather than people's feelings who get offended by it. Oh, yeah. So, for example, if you speak openly— about uh, male and female in the Bible, which is the foundations of our creation and our being, right? And people are getting offended by that. You're just, you're focused on the product service in the future, you know, in this respect, but right,
3: yeah. really what you should be focused on. And that really upsets a lot of people these days. Very much so. And then they go after you. And and that's, that's the trouble I have in in accepting the facts is I find everybody wants a tolerance and a free expression as long as it's the, their brand oh, of totally. tolerance and free expression. And that's not the case. You can't trust the science right. <laughs> and then totally avoid the science. Like it just doesn't work that way. And so I think when you accept it and you have a community and you built a team that accepted this, the third thing, which is so key is understanding. Like it, we can have all the facts we want. We can have all the PL statements we want. We could, we could look at what the industry is doing. I can look at what my church is doing. I, you could even take it down to your kids' travel ball, and you say, "Oh, we got this, this, and this." You know, or, or you're looking at like there's a a there's a gold, a silver, and a bronze bracket, and uh, and and we've got all the kids that we can play with. But your coach keeps trying to put you in a gold bracket, but you can't pitch your way through the bronze bracket, bro at that point you're wasting my money and you're demoralizing my kids so if you don't accept that fact then you can't understand we want to go to the gold bracket but i can't and so that's where i always think about having people who are gifted on your team and in your life that are not yes men they're loyal but they're loyal to make you better so that when the facts are laid out and everybody's ice cold about the facts then you use understanding as the compass to say, "What do we do with these facts?" Like, for instance, with uh, with with uh, our, our American Energy Drinks, that was very personal to you, right? Brad Pitt, Viber, you were everywhere. <laughs> he I was mean, pissed. He <laughs> lost his job. <laughs> yeah. He's he's well employed. <laughs> I, I don't I don't even know where he went. He's like in protective services <laughs> right. right right now. <laughs> And had Doug walked in and said, "As a leader, hey, this is over," and you're just like, "But just let, give me some more time. Let me, you know, let Brad Pitt go do what he did. Right. How much more money would we have wasted?" Yeah.
0: Well, I think the key thing here the issue of feelings, and I, I think it's important. It's not that you don't care about the feelings of the individual, but if you're running an organization, you can't let the feelings of one individual be detrimental to the success and the feelings maybe of the entire company, right? And so I think, you know, ultimately you're doing a disservice to the entire organization, right? When you don't confront the brutal facts facts because you're afraid that you're going to upset somebody's feelings. And I think that's key. I mean, when employees begin to filter the brutal facts to fit what they know the leader wants instead of focusing on the truth, the company will suffer.
3: When I only tell you, when I chase you as a leader and I only tell you um, what I think you want to hear, I'm paralyzing you. And here's the worst part about that, you know, we talk about getting the right people on the bus, and then putting the right people in the seats on the bus. If, let's say, for instance, let's just use a scenario here. Let's say, for instance, I'm the I'm, I'm the new guy on the bus, right? And Carl and Pat see something in me that does not really fit in our in our core, it doesn't fit in our, in our ground rules and in our, our, you know, our Constitution. But they know you like me. And they don't tell you what they see. Not only am I on the should I not be on the bus, but I'm getting into a seat close to the driver that I can derail this. And I've watched many CEOs lose their company or make very bad decisions financially and with their brand because they had loyal people who just didn't want to upset the boss and they let a little leaven leaven the whole lump and now they're screwed they're totally messed up and that leader who had final say made some very bad decisions because he let one chatterbox get in his ear when when other people on the team didn't pull him aside or confront all of them at the table and say this is bull. Yeah.
0: I mean, we at the nutrition corners have learned through time. So we've been in business now for 13 years, something like 13, 14 years. And, uh, how many, we know to a T right now, Carl and I do, we can tell you who's going to be the next manager to leave. So we have 12 going on. We're about to sign a lease on our 13th store. And so there's a lot of employees involved and our managers are key. They are the owners of their store, essentially. And um, that is such an important position. And we know. So the last manager who decided to leave, literally the day that um, she decided to leave, that earlier that day I said, she's going to be the next one to leave. And sure enough, later that day, we got a two weeks notice. And it's because they become, we, we can see it, there's some telltale signs. So all our managers out there, when you're not participating in our company events, you're not jazzed up to be there. You don't find a way. There's always an excuse of why you can't be there. That is the number one. And you're not engaged in the events, not just being there presently, physically, proximately, but like actually being present. We know immediately. And so we, as the kind of the senior leaders in that company, um, we know to confront the brutal facts, and we're trying to get our other leaders that are coming up to see that, and that's one thing that we're trying to to get them to tackle sooner. Is it's one thing to confront the brutal facts, but it's one it's another thing to do it in a timely manner before it gets mm. causes a big problem. And so, like that's something that we try. We're trying to do
3: for the other managers that work with and, us. And that's what every leader has to do. That's why our P and Ls have to be on point you know, I look at them every week. And then at the end of the month, I want the end of the month closed out within the first week of that month. Yep. Because if it goes further than that, we may be making vital financial errors that that money, I mean, you just open up a window and just through that through that check out. And so, you know, if you're a if you're a business owner, or even just with your own family, if you're not checking your personal budget, and and realizing, man, this is how much we spend at Chick Fil A, or this is how much we spend <laughs> Netflix and yeah, or, uh, and or streaming Netflix services or, or anything. You're letting time go by before you can correct the ship. Yeah,
0: Carl, man, you're. I, I look over here He's and Carl notes. is frantically. Carla, yeah. So I don't want to. I don't want to wait to the end to just get right, Carl. This gets me so yeah, fired just up. to get Carl to go off on a rant. So I, I don't. I don't even know what's written over there, Carl. But like, where it's do like you want to start somewhere? Yeah.
2: So. So going back to um, to give a little little bit of more, a different t- side of the story on the Stockholm Ooh. or Stockdale, um,
1: what I'm getting touched. <laughs> oh, did. Who touched? I don't know. <laughs> oh, it's under the table. <laughs>
3: holy, holy Spirit. <laughs> um,
2: so basically, if you go and you read this this part of it, um, it talks about being in the worst case scenario, uh, you know, or at least one of the, the the big ones at a POW camp, right, and. His mentality, it's clear that Doug has gone over that. But what he also talks about was that the guys that said, you know what, we'll be out of here by Christmas, right? Well, Christmas comes and goes. I will be out of here by Valentine's Day. Comes and goes. And overall, these guys lose hope and they lose faith Mm -hmm. because they don't want to confront the brutal facts of the reality that they are in a really, really bad situation and they're going to be doing a whole lot of things that they don't want to do. But you have to believe in the faith that yes – I'm going to prevail. And so a lot of the confronting on the individual side here is that when you don't have sound goals in place, uh, you don't have a sound purpose in place. I see this with managers. It's like, you know, all right, I've got to build a store. I've got to raise the, 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 my commissions, and then I'm going to make money. Well, three months go into it and they're not making six figures. And that was their, their whole purpose, right? And it's the wrong thing to be focusing on, right? The, the focus was, hey, I'm here to build a store, which means how do I do that? I need to focus on client interactions. Am I knowledgeable? Am I delivering a memorable experience? And then am I doing the things in the community to bring people to my business? But what they focus on is I'm sitting in my store, I'm playing on Instagram, and nobody's walking in. What's going on, right? They're, they're, they're not focused on the right thing. And then they lose hope about the big picture because of it. So uh, that that was one takeaway that I took from that as well. You know, the soldiers are focusing on the wrong thing and they just lose hope and they lose hope and then they quit. And those individuals in the in the world of, of jobs are going to job hop, job hop, job mm-hmm. hop. You're, they're never going to find any happiness because your happiness is focused on the wrong aspect. It's not
1: money. So, uh, so that's more like a confront the brutal facts of the, the man in the mirror. Yeah. Right? Like on going back to... So not, like, confronting the brutal facts of the company or the brutal facts of to your boss, but just looking at yourself in the mirror on a daily basis and, like, what are my goals and what are my values, right? What is my integrity? What do I have to stick to every single day to to get better? So I, I like that you brought that up.
3: Yeah. <clears throat> um, you know, thinking about that when he talks about, like, conducting autopsies on uh, without blame, I think that's so good is to be able to – to, to do an autopsy, not just surface level, but like dig into this so we can understand and then not blame. And that's what most people because I mean, at, the, at days end, I, I do this, I earn a paycheck from this. So it's, it, you know, it, it, that's where you really got to grow as a person and you got to have a good team around you. So it's not like, Oh, Carl, you messed this up, or oh, Brian, had you not done this, or you moved faster, or you'd have been focused on the right things, because then at that point, you're worried about getting fired. And, and you know, we talked about can you teach someone to grow? And um, I, I've, there's never been a day in my life that I have thought about firing somebody that was hustling. They may have been hustling in the wrong mm-hmm. area, but, you know, I look at it when I think about the wrestlers that I coach. You can't teach aggression. That that comes in somebody. I can teach you moves, but you got to have that hustle in you. I mean,
0: I love that because it's like if you think about it, like – we mess up a lot here. <laughs> Y'all know that, right? We mess up a lot. And I don't think I've ever thought, man, I really need to fire that per- person because they messed up. I lost $250,000
2: for him, and I'm still here. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
3: what a confession. Did you just lose it like you <laughs> were just
0: like... Was pretty
2: much based off of you, if you really examine the situation.
0: <laughs> Listen, <laughs> it's a timer. It's a it's like a running Can't, clock. It just keeps a, going. Just I keeps just going took going a sip out.
3: to swallow that one. just
0: got lodged in my throat. But it's... But I've never... I've honestly never thought like, man, I need to fire that person because they... There was like a single mess up. It's usually exactly what you said. They're just not engaged. they they They're just... They're not trying to figure it out. They're they're not proximate, whether physically or mentally, right? Um, and they just are, they're just not in it. And so, like, so I, what's
3: the time frame on realizing? Like, it's a listen. I will and the more
0: more confession. It is really hard for me, you know, because I do care about the person. Oh yeah, and the this is a such a timely one for me because sometimes. Uh, confronting the brutal facts, I have to remember as ultimately that p- mo- the person who's going to have the decision of what to do with an, any individual in this company is, you know, is me holding on to somebody who is not engaged? Is that holding everyone else down? Mm. And then that's the first thing that I'm thinking I need to think about. And then, you know, my other concern is one is cause I, 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 I do care for all our individuals here, whether they're performing or not. Um, you know, I just need to, I need to, I need to understand whether or not this is just a purely business decision or there's other things, you know, at, at play here. And, and I am guilty of holding on too long sometimes. Yeah. And it's, it's just, it's really, it's really freaking hard. And I think it's more, I don't have a problem confronting the brutal facts but because I do it quite often, actually, but it is more so, okay, you've confronted the, how many times do you have to confront the brutal facts to say enough is enough? And that is, that's where for me, it is difficult. And I don't know the
3: answer to that. And I think that's where sometimes as a leader, because we don't want people to be upset with us. We don't want that, that we, we eat the layers. So I peel the layers back as a leader I ask my team to peel the layers back so we can really see what's dead, what's not working. But then sometimes instead of asking them to eat it as, as I eat it, I just eat it all. And then I go home and that's where your ulcers come from. It's where yeah. your strokes and all that. When well, I, uh, well that, just
0: to, before you go on from that, but the thing that I worry about is by me, eating that or, or actually, okay, you know what, you're having too much of a negative impact on everyone else here. But what happens when I do cut bait there? Does that then fall on everyone else to pick up the slack that you should have been? And then like, there's a flip side to that. Oh yeah. Right. I might be helping you by letting that person go, but I'm also hurting you because now you're picking up the slack.
3: And on my end of that, when I do that, whether it was at my recycling facility or whether it's at the church, then for me they throw on, you're supposed to be a man of God. How could you fire me? <laughs> and, and and I used to wear that like and, and then I realized, you know what, God calls me to be a steward and it's my job to give you a job. It's your job to keep it. And and but it, like when I became Pastor Beulah had an amazing pure-hearted young man that was the student pastor great guy pure heart couldn't think his way out of a wet paper bag and i did not realize that and i never real i didn't realize he had i was just frustrated with him all the time and then i realized he'd never been trained so i gave him 6 months to train him and i was like this dude's not getting it and because i did care about him i gave him 6 more months to basically say find a job i'm not going to kick you out of here you got a young family You got to pay your bills. You better work hard, but the end of six months, you're done. So what happened to him? He found another location to work and moved back. So I always
0: struggle with that because we have had that as well, where it's just like because when somebody has their foot out the door, they have their foot out the door, and they might as well not. Then it's a hundred percent a charity case. You know, it's like we're of the opinion. we'd like to go in and take the keys if we know you're going <laughs>
3: right like well and he didn't think he was going i mean even the day that i told him i mean man the dude just broke down yeah. because nobody expects to get fired from a church <laughs> right. you know and 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 it wasn't so much that i was just saying look let's find you a better transition i'll even recommend you whatever we need to do but then i go back and i think man we brought parker on how fast did we grow I mean it didn't take him long to hit the ground. And so We I, always get better. So I eat the layer and I'm like was this me was I too compassionate was I did I did I wait too long? Uh, I mean it's just always the the wrestling point of just knowing when to mash the gas on the bus and open the door and say get out. <laughs> See
2: I don't have a problem with it, right? Really? I, I love confronting the brutal facts because I've done it for so long. And it's like, if you don't confront the brutal facts, then you are wasting time and energy. You will never get back. But not only are you wasting your own time and energy, you're wasting theirs. And because I love them, like if 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 you really do connect with your employees and you realize like this isn't for you, if I don't tell you that, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Then, then that's time and energy you could be, doing something else that's going to make you truly happy and come alive. Right. Yeah. And that's the way that it's always been for me. And, you, know, you know, my, uh, my days at one life, uh, Ken Sherman was, was one of the great men in my life. And I never forget this, but he said, when I am talking with my team, I paid you 100% of what I said I would pay you when you accepted the job. If you don't give me a hundred percent, you were stealing from me. Oh wow. And it's nothing personal, Carl loves but we just can't, that, yeah. you know, it's nothing personal, but we just can't work together. Like I like y'all, I yeah. hug all my employees, but it's like, I don't want to work with you. I can't, that's not my standard. So, you know, it, it, speaking to, to leaders, young leaders, aspiring leaders, confronting the brutal facts is about a standard, a standard in your marriage and your relationships, your business, your finances, your own personal life. If you're fat, you don't confront that you're going to deal with the repercussions health wise. So the, the facts hurt the facts don't care
0: well carl has that conversation a, a lot with some of our, you know not i shouldn't say a lot but he's had that he has to have that uncomfortable conversation yeah. with a, a manager who is not taking care of themselves when at the end of the day we're running a health food company yeah right like they they have great knowledge they can help other people but they can't help themselves how does that reflect on the company so like sometimes we'll have to check somebody and it's ca- never fun it's never fun it's
1: yeah. awkward Uh-oh.
2: i'm like the awkwardness never goes away. I shake when I do it, but I know that it's a conversation that needs to happen, yeah. right? If, if you're telling me that, that in this situation, like, you are here to change people's lives, but you don't take it seriously yourself, mm, you're, you're wasting the people that came to you. Like, I tell every CSR that this isn't a job where we come in here and we just play around, like, ooh, cool, I sell supplements. No, literally every person that comes into this store, you have the ability to change their life. That's cool. I like that. Don't take that for granted. And if if that doesn't resonate with you, if that doesn't fire you up, then leave right now. Like, don't even waste my time. I don't want you here, right? Go ride a roller coaster someplace else. But this roller coaster, we save lives.
3: That's cool. You know, I I see the point of that. Uh, I just recently had a family come in and want to join the church. And so I meet with them and hear their story and all that stuff. And I actually forgot this guy worked for me at my recycling facility. And when he told me, he said, you don't really remember me, do you? And I was like, no, I don't. And I'm, I'm sorry. And I was like, did I speak at a former church? And he goes, no, I work for you. And, I was, and then I felt like a hill. And he, he told me the scenario, and immediately I remember. Like a hill? Like I felt like an idiot. Or like a heel, like is a, that
0: like a redneck? Yeah, that's kind of, a wrestler. A so, you got
3: baby faces and you got heels, and the heels, the bad guy. Oh, okay. the baby face is a good because <laughs> that guy. I was like, <laughs> oh, Yeah, sorry, it was over mine. Too, <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. Hold on, where are we at here?
3: <laughs> Me
2: Brigade.
3: I don't know, that worked, <laughs> that worked. Run, run. okay. Yeah. All right. So, uh, and and so immediately, I'm like overwhelmed with like insecurities and like, Oh man, what a turd am I. And then he said but i just and so you had to fire me that day and he replied and i said oh i remember that very vividly and he said i just want you to know that was the best day of, the beginning of the best day of my life and i was like what and he said the way you handled me when you took me into your office and you basically described the situation what i was going to have to live through to get out of the situation and that it was probably best if we just cut cut ties he said, that began a different fire in me. And he said, if you could treat me like that as a boss, then I'll let you be my pastor. And I was like, mm. <sighs> so.
0: That's good. That's cool. It's real. So, so how do we create a culture where uh, truth can be
1: heard and confronting the brutal facts is uh,
0: an everyday thing?
1: Well, I think that's where it, it all has to come together. Because like we've said, confront the brutal facts many times, right? But confronting, accepting, and understanding so it's it is like a circle in within the culture right so if Carl's gonna come in and confront the brutal facts to me okay what do I need to do to be open and listen instead of immediately put up a wall of like he's saying the truth and I don't like the truth and I don't want to listen anymore and F Carl because he's mean he's a mean guy right like that's usually a how, how, how it goes exactly along, all, happens, a lot right? of the time <laughs> I'm an I'm an
0: a-hole. Actually, we have that on camera a bunch of times. Little. F that guy. Yeah, yeah. literally, literally. We have, I don't know how many clips we have. F that guy. Can we put a reel together. We totally together? should. You know, I
3: think I think when you talk about it coming together, I know at least for me, um, attitude of gratitude. If the only time as a leader you hear me address you in what needs to be corrected, then you're gonna that proverbially is so tell hard me. for me. So, yeah. so you have to look, I, I get they're getting a paycheck, but there's something unique about them being there. And so I, I, there's a trust level and this is not just in your job. This is with your spouse. This is with your children. I, I'm a firm believer for every one you jerk, there better be 10 out boys. And so when you have that, that gratitude, like when I leave the office every day, I try to thank everybody. Thank you guys. Thank you for the work you're doing. Thank you for not sloughing off. Because it's not just some grandiose blowing smoke up your skirt, that kind of deal. It is, I am trusting you, and I appreciate you, and I can see, I want them to know, I am keeping tabs. I'm not a micromanager, but I am keeping visible tabs as to how hard you're working. I'm noticing. And I think I think when the team knows, or your wife knows, or your spouse, uh, your children know, your buddies know. I mean, th- think about it this way. Pat, if the only time you ever heard from me was when I was like, hey, buddy, can I borrow your shovel? Hey, buddy, can I borrow your drill? Hey, buddy, can I borrow your truck? When you see me call, you're going to be like, I'm not answering that. What what they say about you? F that guy. Yeah. <laughs> like, you're not going to answer he the call. You just want something from me. Exactly. And, and so if it's always what I want from you, then there is no collaboration. Yeah. You know, unless you just can't avoid me. But if I'm checking on you, and I'm appreciating you as my neighbor, as my friend, as my brother, my coworker. Then I think there is a real collaboration where we come together and we can talk about anything. And even know that there may be times we're going to have conversations that are loud, that are just straight up business. And and uh, and and because we're passionate about it, and we're firing back, and we're we're going after it, and it doesn't tear us down because it days in. We're we're in it to win it. Right.
0: Yeah. I mean, I think that, I like that that is that is something that you know. I think Carl and I both have the different. Just uh, not on purpose, but we are in. Sometimes the way we lead, it's not that it's not an attaboy. It's just like, well, the attaboy should have been part of your job anyways, and we're trying to do great we're not trying to be good. We're going from good to great. And we don't have time for mediocrity, right? So I think for us, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing with what you said. I think it's very true. There should be 10 attaboys for this, but I know I'm speaking for myself, but I'm probably speaking for Carl when it's more like, okay, you did your job. Great. But now we got to be great and we got great things to do. So sometimes, you know, I know I will forget. I will move on to the next thing because I'm so focused on the, yep. the the overall vision and making progress and all of that, that sometimes I don't do a good job of pausing and giving the attaboys. And it's not that appreciative but then I will have bigger conversations. It's more like I will have more... S- more bigger, meaningful conversations less often than, yes. you know, where I can really say, no, listen, guys, we are doing great things. And I appreciate all you like in a very hard, as opposed to what we call the gold star, high five gold star. You know what you close, you, you forgot, you remembered to lock the door when you left tonight. night, high five, you know, you had, you sold $3,000 today, high five. And, uh, it's a, there's a there's a
3: balance there and, and there is and and so I'm again that's why I'm saying it's not it's not you know frivolous um, I I just happen to think if they weren't doing their job I could not do my job oh totally, totally. and and that's what engenders in me the thank you did you say transgender no I did not I said engenders <laughs> <any laughs> in me transgender uh, I just I just wanted to what Pastor Brown was yeah. spitting over there yeah, I yeah, just wanted to yeah. sure. <laughs> Uh, yeah, large. so I, I think that's what, that, that's what drives me. Um, you know, there's this passage in the book of Proverbs that says, uh, Know full well the condition of your flocks. For if you, if you handle them well, they will provide food for you, the, uh, they will provide wool for you in the winter and, and sustenance in the summer. And basically, every season, if I've done my work in protecting them, they will provide for me. It also helps me on the days to where I get tired of people's drama. Like sometimes we can only ca- imagine casually shared and we're just like, oh, I, like, okay, I'm going to daycare and then I'm coming home. And then I got second shift with my, with my babies that I care the most about. <laughs> and there have been times in my life to where it's so that I can confront the brutal facts. I can work with these people that constantly have something going on, constantly have something going on that I just go, you know what? The amount of money they make me, I can put up with their drama. And, and it doesn't burn me like it used to. This was especially when I was in, the, you know, when I was running the recycling facility. It was, hey, boss, man, my stomach's hurting. Well, you didn't stop drinking <laughs> Sunday night until 11, and, of course, your stomach's hurting. And why are you calling me at 3 a.m.? Like, set your yeah. alarm at 5 when you know I'm up. You know, so it's just that craziness, and if you, if, it, it can make you bitter. And so that's why I just try to push myself in a gratitude that says, you know what, I couldn't have the level of living of that I have if they weren't doing what they were supposed to, even though that's their job and they're getting paid for it.
0: Yeah. I like the ancient proverb round up the sheep and get the flock out of here.
3: <laughs> I like the way you say it.
0: Going back <laughs> to what
2: Patrick was saying and, and I, and I'm keeping it in my head this whole time. Like what can we say that also helps to provide takeaways to the people that are watching? Um, and the, the part about confronting the brutal facts is that you live to a standard. You, you know, my standard might be different than your standard, higher or lower or whatever it is, but whatever the standard is, if an employee, let's let's say, you know, or even your spouse, right? Or your best friend, I confronted the brutal facts, I think, a couple of podcasts ago, I said something about this to my best friend. And we've ghosted each other, you know. Uh, he doesn't he doesn't respond to my text, phone calls, or anything. But I said, well,
3: "Why did you have to say that online about me?" <laughs> <I'm just kidding.
2: laughs> but but it makes it easier to confront the brutal facts when you are passionate about the standard that you're living for your life. So we are very passionate about our core values. So when someone doesn't live to the core values, it makes it very easy for me personally to go up to that person and be like, "Look, you're not living to this value, right?" And if I want to be able to help you live to this value. But if you're not passionate about living to this value, then this isn't going to work out for you.
0: Isn't it amazing how everything comes back to your core values? The core every values every podcast we've done, I'm glad we did core values on our mm-hmm. first podcast yeah. because everything comes back to that.
2: Episode one, episode one, go yep. back to that. You know, So it's like, that will help any of you when you are confronting the brutal facts, you know, you should have core values in your marriage, you know, and, and, you know, when, when I'm speaking to my sons, it's like I'm trying to instill them core values that resonate with me so that it it shows them that, hey, this is, I'm not saying I'm the best man or best version or so on and so forth, but I feel as though the standards that I hold myself to as a man, uh, as a husband and as a friend and as a leader are standards that are worth holding them to. And so then because I'm passionate about that, I feel very comfortable confronting that with them. I can't handle what they're going to do with that. And you know, one of the best things my dad ever said is don't don't deny who you are. Be true to who you are and let the world deal with it. You can't control how the world is going to deal with you. You know, and, and so same thing with the employees, like, you know, again, I'm the a-hole because I caught an employee on camera. Yes, employees, I can see and hear everything you do if I choose to. OK, so <laughs> We're I'm going to put camera. together our
0: greatest hits at some point
2: on a camera. Entry level CSR. Right. Bottom of the totem pole. Right. Understand your position. You want to work up good work up to it. But you are entry level. Right. No matter where you go, there's entry level. Pay your dues, understand the standards, understand the people that you're working for, right? If you don't like them, don't work for them. If you're going to work for them, you need to understand how they operate. Our core values give you that standard. Our story that we post a podcast to gives you insight as to how we are wired. I'm on the cameras. This kid is wearing a long sleeve flannel, right? Not a, a store attire approved whatsoever. And he's on his laptop playing video games. Nice. Not approved right? So I hired you to come to work to save people's lives, not get on your laptop, play video games. We are not a bro store, but I'm not uh, a corporate store. I don't want to see my, my employees tucked in shirt, you know, uh, slacks, uh, dress shoes. You know, I don't want that, right? We're laid back, but we're still a standard that we are professional. And so I sit there and, and screenshot this, give it to the uh, manager. The manager uh, says, hey, Carl sees you on the camera and that was the thing that the manager did wrong. We, we talked about that. It's like, I'm not the immediate boss. And that goes back to something that you were talking about, and I can go, go with that later. But bottom line, so this employee then gets on, you know, the uh, manager gets on the phone with the employee, and I'm hearing this conversation. And he goes, why does he got to go past you why, or go through you? Why can't he just tell me I'm out of uniform? You know, F that guy. He's an a-hole, right? And I'm listening. He's, I've worked for companies with high standards before, like how he runs his business and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like... Like, you've never met him. Like, dude, you don't, you don't get it. Like the, the very basic of standards and you couldn't even, you couldn't even follow that. Like, I don't, I don't get that. And so, uh, it made it very simple for me, right? I didn't hesitate to attack, right? Um, but I understand when you, you are uncomfortable in approaching something that is awkward. And I feel it's though, because you don't have a standard, you don't have a goal that you're passionate about. So, and when when you have
3: a when you have a goal and you have a dream, and we'll talk about that in a second, I'm I'm sure, uh, and you have a core value, you got to feel the fear and do it anyway. Yes, that's a huge thing in life. It's one of the reasons I love the sport of wrestling. Is wrestling is all about being comfortable when you're uncomfortable. You got a dude wrenching your neck over. You got a dude twisting your arm. He's he's got you in a very uncomfortable place. You cannot panic. You have to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And so, as a leader, or in confronting the brutal facts, sometimes they're very uncomfortable because if you t- if you're a leader that leads out front, you celebrate the team when when there's success, but when there's failure, you own it. Leaders that re- lead from the rear blame, and they never get anywhere because they're they're dead weight. Um, and so, I think that when you have that core value, specifically in the tough conversations, it, it's when you. It's when you can feel the fear and the uncomfortableness and you can be comfortable. You can feel the fear and you can do it anyway. Let's, let's go back to this, the
0: culture of making it understandable for some people that might struggle with this, making a, making a better environment in your business or, and your business can be a relationship or whatever. How do we create that? And I think it always is going to come down to communication, but it's, open dialogue and debate that where people feel comfortable to say what they feel and be heard and not try to manipulate what they're saying and, um, you know, not forcing them to to say a certain thing. So this is open dialogue. And I'm I'm talking about, you can build this culture of uh, confronting the brutal facts if you are constantly having open dialogues. And I think we do a good job with that And I think um, this is in talking in good times and in bad. Mm. So when we are- It's
3: toughest when it's bad.
0: Right, but the bad time, if you have an open communication and an open dialogue where everyone really feels heard, then that makes the hard times easier, right?
3: And so- Because you matured, you grew.
0: Right, so like, so we have constant, we're we're potentially engaging in a massive building project. it's a huge project in the land behind us. And so like we had an open forum where everyone can say um, their feelings on it, whether or not it's a good thing, what they want in it, you know, be, you know, everyone had good ideas except for Tyler. We just made fun of his cause that's what we do. Um, Poor Tyler. Yeah, I'm just kidding. He actually had, he did have one good idea this time. So it was good. I love you, Tyler. Um, but that just, just an example, whether it's a product launch or a big, project that's going to drive, you know, it's really going to help us make, make more growth or, you know, drive a lot of different decisions. I think we do a good job of allowing people to share in decision-making. And so this goes back to getting the right people on the bus and letting them drive the bus and don't necessarily, don't let the leader be the only one driving the bus. And I think that's, that's one thing you can do. And then in the bad times, you know, conduct autopsies without blame. Be honest about it. We can joke about Carl losing $250,000 or, you know, Dave's balls or whatever, but, you know, we only do that just poke fun. Like, that's not serious, right? But, like, have an open discussion of what worked and what didn't work and do it without blame. At the end of the day, I've taken this approach now. Like, we've been screwed a bunch of different times on silly things, whether it's a banker not locking in a rate that should have been there or, or whatever, or a project that fell through or a store that wasn't successful or whatever, the way I look at it is, okay, well, I can harp on that and I can I can f- fire that banker and move all my money to somewhere else, I'm just giving that as an example, or I can use that to my advantage, learn from it, because there's probably something that I could have done better, and then guess what? That banker probably owes you a favor next time around, yeah. or, I can harp on that employee and really belittle them and bring them down. But then do you think the next time around, they're going to they're gonna be gun-shy on one of our core values, which is take risks. They're not going to want to take those risks anymore. And that's what makes a great company, right, is the ability to take strategic risks. And then they're not going to want to do that. So I've learned to not harp on the negative part. So, like, during your autopsy, figure out what went wrong. But don't – like, laying into somebody for a mistake is just completely – useless honestly they should take ownership of it right that's one of our core values as well and trust me they know they probably feel worse than anyone in the room already so there's no need to harp on that so having open discussions in good time in where to drive the bus and product development into marketing into all of that and having a more collaborative environment and then also when doing the autopsies you know doing it in a in a way in which you're trying to learn and not just belittle, right and blame I think those two things uh, will really help create a culture that is open to hearing the brutal facts because I'm pretty open with people uh, when things are going bad and when things are going good.
1: Well, and to add to that, um, I wanted to harp on that a little bit on the culture of creating um, a culture of being able to confront the brutal facts. And that doesn't just mean for the leader for you, Carl, right. to confront the brutal facts to the employees, but you—you did this probably a few months ago, where you sat everybody in in the in our conference room slash uh, classroom, <laughs> and uh, you encouraged everybody because there was some some drama in Chinese telephone that kind of goes in circles, and this happens a lot with the nutrition corners as well. Yeah, Carl, this, Carl, that, yeah you know, like just, you know, and then it it translates to somebody else and it translates to somebody else and it just, and then it comes back to you. Right. Mm -hmm. But Doug opened it up and was like, there's too much Chinese telephone and drama going on. And we need a culture of if there's something wrong, you need to speak up right now. And so having that come from the leader, it opens that dialogue. And then as a leader, it creates that it's okay to come to me and confront brutal facts to me as well, right? Like having that leader that says, uh, look, like I'm not perfect and every, th- every decision that I make is not the ultimate decision. This is a collaborative me- uh, a team here, right? And so that opens up to confronting the brutal facts to the top lead, right? And I think that that becomes, you need that culture because if you have a culture where your employees feel like they just, they can't come to you um, then that te- Chinese telephone, telephone starts to happen, and then you get a lot of disgruntled employees, and then the the culture and the work environment is just not good yeah. right? well, that, when, they, when they don't feel comfortable coming to the boss.
0: That's very much related to the conversation. I had another classroom meeting last week to talk about discipline, and the big takeaway, I hope, which you guys got from that is not only that I think everyone can increase their discipline uh, when people aren't looking, but also... You guys, we are work, We do work as a family and we do have an open and honest relationships, I would like to think, for the large majority of it. Um, you guys need to be comfortable calling each other out and confronting the brutal facts to your peers. It doesn't always have to be tell the boss so that the boss can confront the brutal facts, but you guys are all your own leaders. So when you're sitting at that table working and somebody next to you is just, I don't know, Peter and around. Peter and around. that's the word I was looking for. Peter Pe- and around. around is that the word?
3: Yeah
0: you know, just not getting done what needs to get done. have an honest conversation with them. and the, hopefully they receive it as, yeah, you know what? I, I was you know i'm I'm struggling with this and this outside of work, and I needed a little kick in the butt. and it's coming from a good place that's a hard culture to create but if you constant if you if you are working collaboratively you have open door policies you are uh, open as a as a leader to hear people hopefully that trickles down and all that can happen without the boss involved because yeah. that's the way it should that will make a really healthy work environment
3: um, you know one of the things that i try to do with like my leaders my elders my deacons because they're volunteer is i make them all talk so when we sit down for a decision, I hear them all. Or I make them sign their name to the decision. That way there's no what I call chicken conversation out in the parking lot that says, oh, I'm not going to do it. Oh. You know, I wasn't a part of that. I That was the way the church was ran before, and I'm just like, I'll quit on the spot. You guys don't understand me. Like, I'm not wasting my good years in ministry just to, um, to have you guys backlash everything because you're afraid of people. You know, so, so having that, like – Go ahead as a, and and this is for the leader, whether it's at your house, whether it's with your kids, whether it's whatever you're a part of, if it's bad and you realize the ship can't keep sailing in the situation that it's in, it's going to be the most difficult thing you've ever done to begin to have this autopsy, but you got to, and you got to slow down and refuse to be angered by anybody in that circle. They're in that circle still for a reason so
0: i've had i've heard that before
3: you want to and and when they talk consider how it's coming because one of the things i know about carl is that carl is like super passionate so one of the things i always wonder is like well how often when that passion i mean dude he can you can fire stuff off like would that passion push me away or make a partner out of me and 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 That's really on me. It's not so much on you unless there is somebody that you see that is pushing away and you go, But I believe this guy, I believe this girl really has what it takes. And so I think that's where you gotta get the same dictionary, you gotta get the same definitions. You know, Carl may be meaning one thing and I'm taking it as another thing and I'm wanting to say, Hey, blah, 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 this guy but if i could just understand it from his point of view but you as the main leader's got to help me to some some degree does it make sense totally and so building that camaraderie when it's bad let everybody talk and if you're the leader there are those times when i go in and say this is a one way conversation i will let you know when you can talk and that's when i kind of have to pimp slap what's going on because i got to correct it fast yeah and 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 it's not out of raw, raw is me. It is, this is our core principle. We don't fudge on this core principle. Does everyone understand? Yes. Then I say, how do we hold up that core principle? Does that make sense? And so, um, so that, that's that different, you know, culture in which we have to, we have to build up, we have to make sure is there so that, you know, there isn't that, um, that messiness in that Chinese, I don't know why we're calling that the Chinese telephone thing. Isn't that right? a thing? I don't know. Yeah, it is. I guess it That's is. That's probably racist. Like bro, we're going to get canceled. <laughs> oh, we're right?
0: canceled. <laughs> oh, God! Multi, Cancel the show. Multi, uh, what what right? we're saying is
3: there's multi voices and the language barrier <laughs> yeah. happened. It was not an ethnic slur. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Sorry. Sorry. Handle so here's the, here's the other thing is that, you know, so in this, they talk about facts are better than dreams. And I know all of you are at this table. And of course, you guys coming into my life, it's <clears throat> about to make me emotional. Um, well, help me confront the brutal fact that I was out of shape and I was depressed and I was lonely. Uh-huh. Career wise, with people who had like mindedness and because my best friends had died. And, uh, and so this was like a dream come true. I get a top 10 gym in the world that I get to support and work on equipment and help, help, you know, facilitate. But then I get invited into very much like-minded thinkers who there's never a day that we're satisfied with mediocre. And, uh, and so in many ways, my dreams are coming true and I live two miles away from this. Right. So. But if it weren't for those facts then my dreams if it wasn't for the fact you guys moved here if it wasn't for the fact that you know I took the risk to come in and <laughs> have the weird awkward conversation just to, about 10 feet Man, over and
0: y- y'all need your y- y'all need some prayer let me pray for y'all
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, and and just the the whole scenario of us learning to trust one another um you know, my dreams wouldn't be able to do that. And this is where I always say that facts create action steps for my dreams. And and I think this is where you can keep having your unwavering um unwavering faith, but there has to be stepping stones and those are all built off of facts. And so, you know, if you're out there and maybe let's say you're not the boss and someone's talking to you and Maybe, maybe you're you're doing a job that you're saying this has really always been my dream job but my boss is just on me or my you know this it's never enough or, or, or maybe your kid listening to this and you're just like my my dad i can never satisfy my dad or maybe your spouse and you're listening to this and you're just like you know it doesn't matter what i do the bar changes every dang day and i can never please her i can never please him just look for the facts and build those stepping stones on those facts and, and watch dreams, watch your dreams come true. And so
0: let that's, me- That's a good word. That's awesome. Let me just, I'm going to turn it over to Carl because he'll take us out. I know he's just chomping at the bit to take us out here. We've been on here an hour. We probably could go for many hours. And I, I will pose this question and maybe this is going to roll into another podcast. But do you feel like our problem today is that, I'm talking societal- Right, like Mm, that, That people do not want to confront the brutal facts, and it is a, it's you know we're doing it in our the culture of our business or speaking in our business or these personal relationships. How do you take an entire nation or world for that matter and make it okay to confront the brutal facts? I'd say so much. I mean, so like, and this, and I'm just gonna go ahead and say it. I think a lot of the 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 crazy crazy quote me and cancel me wokeism of today is because people are afraid to confront the brutal facts oh
3: yeah when when i go speak on a on a college campus which is a higher learning institution it the very basis of higher learning means that you're eradicating what you don't know which means you may have to face controversial issues when i sign the contract and the next thing that comes through is a disclaimer and a list of words and phrases I cannot use, then I'll just cancel the contract because I'm going to go speak where there are young adults who are paying lots of money for higher learning and they won't let a guy come in and take the words that we're using today or the phrases and the philosophies of the day, the seed thoughts, and battle them Or try to improve them or try to reclaim them. You know, when you look at, I know you said you're turning this over to Carl, but (laughs) (laughs) post, and and this probably needs to be the next podcast. Post-modernity. So so in modernity, it was overarching truths, okay? And uh, this is where you get the theory God of the gap. So the only way you need God is where you can't figure this stuff out, okay? So you go from modernity where two plus two equals four, and then you go to... You know math is racist, right? That's what I hear. Yeah, okay. Just checking it. Yeah. Okay. So then you go to post-modernity, which is, well, there's no more overarching truths. They're just pockets of truth. And you can believe whatever you want to believe, and you can believe what you want to believe, and you can believe what you want to believe. Just don't come into my pocket of truth and tell me that I'm wrong. Now, it's my pocket of truth rewrites truth for everybody. And we demand freedom of speech and we demand tolerance as long as it's our brand of tolerance. Yep. And the, the, the reconciliation of that personally, I believe is when the train runs off the track and the stuff don't work. And I think we're seeing that on a number of different facets. I mean, look, think about it this way, guys. And, and y'all know, many of you know already my presuppositions. Just look at our children our children have better schools, better technology, more information faster. They're walking around most of them are walking around with twelve hundred dollar cell phones in their pockets. They have pretty much my children, four children have it way better. We always say we were so poor we went to Kentucky Fried Chicken to lick other people's fingers, right? <laughs> That's so horrible. <laughs> but it's not making better kids. They're more depressed. Suicide is still a bigger problem. They still don't understand their identity. And our biggest struggle is they don't even know how to work. Do you realize that right now there are more women in the workforce than there are men? Because boys are at home in their parents' basement still playing video games. Preach. Oh, man. That's another topic. That's another topic. Oh, but. Woo! But, <laughs>
1: right, the heat is
3: radiating. But, but I think. It, the correction is when it's broke and it's because we won't do the autopsy and everybody that tries to do the t- autopsy, they're on the, they're on the cancel list. They're on the terminal. They're list. shut up.
0: Yep. They're, they're shut down. Carl. All right, Carl, take us out. All right. So I just wanted to, you go got five, you on. got a max five minutes. Here I we go.
2: To, again, to give something to help somebody that's really helped me. Um, and then this is going to be in leadership. Um, I can go into marriage and finance as well because I've I've food barred those up. It's um, <laughs> a new Arnold Schwarzenegger
3: series, dude. I'm enjoying that, by the way. Oh, you
2: are. Uh, I just can't, you know, picture 65 year old Arnold being an action hero. It's so funny when they get to like the gunfights and just like, dude,
3: finish your point.
2: <laughs> yeah. So, anyways, Uh woo, squirrel. All right. Um, so, to help you, if you get into a company that has the ability for you to grow within the company, then grow within the company. Do the work to grow. When you become in charge of people and you have a standard, when I worked at One Life Fitness, we broke away from Gold's Gym that was synonymous with bodybuilding. You know, inside the, the four walls, just a bunch of men uh, you know, groaning and throwing weights and no shirts on. It wasn't a place for women and children. But we were creating gyms that had amazing amenities that the public wouldn't even give us a chance for. So we switched over to One Life Fitness and we were selling 29.99 memberships, but a million dollar experience quote unquote. So when I ran the department, I took that to heed. My employees that I was in charge of had a standard. Now, back in the day, believe it or not, I had double hooped diamond sapphire Michael Jordan earrings with a one carat. I loved them. Couldn't wear them at work. So uh, no tattoos could be showing, right? So that was the standard of the workforce at that point in time, but it was definitely the standard within our company. So I'm hiring and charge of the department of cleaning. We do the dirty work. We handled all y'all's dirty stuff that you bring into the gym. Um, And the standard was that you will have proper khaki shorts on or pants. You have a belt, you have tucked in shirt um, uh, that was a polo shirt, just like the managers wore. No jewelry showing whatsoever. You were groomed. I had an employee come in He had a big chain necklace on, pulled him aside. Hey, reminding you of the standard of what you have. If this happens again, you're terminated, right? So I confronted the facts. I went back to the standard. I documented the uh, encounter. A week later, he's in there cleaning, chains dangling all over the place. Called him into the office, and I literally said, nothing personal, we just can't work together. You're not holding the standard, right? It made it very simple for me to have a conversation Because I believed in the standards, the standards were written out in the employee manual. I went over the standards, right? I documented the the infraction. I told him what would happen if he did it again. It's not like, hey, you know, you're going to get another, another, another round. No, you are literally terminated if you do this again. So, if you want your job, you increase it. So, I made it super simple. Another one that really works well, and this was a great conversation I had with somebody, but I sat them down in a chair like six inches apart, like the chairs, I'm, you know, like oh, we're right. getting close, we're getting intimate. Uh, and I literally asked the guy, um, I said, do you like your job? And he said, yes. If the answer is no, hey, give me your key, have a great day. If you don't like your job, why do I want you here? Right? But he said, yes. My next question is, do you want to be here? And his answer was no, that I can possibly fix. Why don't you want to be here? If you like that's the good. job? Great. Do you want to be here? No. What's going on? What's the disconnect? And we were able to figure out what the disconnect was, and he stayed on board. That's cool. Right? So uh, is that awkward? Yeah, I got six inches from him, right? That's That's completely awkward, awkward, right? But I was at home taking a phone call at 830 at night from a client that had cried in the store. I got in my car and confronted the brutal facts at 9 o'clock at night. I didn't wait and push that off. I confronted it right then and there. You know, so you have to confront the brutal facts right away. You have to do it right away. So Man. what happens when you tolerate and you do not confront? Woke ideology prospers. Look all around us. How is Target feeling right now? How is Bud Light feeling right now? Right? Billions of dollars are being lost. And so when you do not, that, and that's that's a very, very, you know, gross example uh, figuratively and literally, but when you blur the lines of, of traditions, right, like why, why, why do we see less family traditions that are being exercised, you know, like family get-togethers, you know, our birthdays and so on and so forth, you know, when you blur the line of gender, when you blur the line of gender roles, when you blur the line of patriotism, then you tolerate wokeism, you tolerate mediocrity, and you will tolerate someone else taking over your life, and that's what we are grossly experiencing right now and you can't debate that and if you want to debate that then you live you know as the ostrich with your head in the sand you Mm -hmm. know uh and you're going to get yeah you're going to get reamed so uh and not by the patriots so you're getting reamed by the satanic culture that is taking over the world so
0: (laughs) wow that's a great segue uh, (laughs) episode 28 wow look at that (laughs) All right, well, that that probably is six more topics for the next podcast yeah. coming up, guys. All right, we appreciate you. Until next yes. time, keep crushing it.